Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, January 31st, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. And joining me on his podcast is Slash Film news writer Ryan Scott. Happy Monday, everybody. Yeah, uh, as usual on Monday, we usually have you on to talk about the box office, even when it's not, like, super exciting. Um, but there is some stuff to talk about this week, I think. Uh, even though there's not like a new movie, uh, there there's, you know, yeah. Uh, what is performing and what isn't performing is interesting. And also, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's coming next week. And then we have a bunch of news to talk about as well. But let's, uh, you know, I'm going to hand it over to you. You know, what, what was the biggest thing at the box office this weekend? Uh, this was sort of a deja vu weekend at the box office where Spider-Man was once again for the six out of seven weeks. Uh, the top movie at the box office was Scream at number two and Sing 2 at number three. Everything else was fighting for scraps. Uh, and, and that's really the big thing right now when you talk about what's not performing is, you know, we won't be at a level of box office normalcy until you can have five or six movies in a weekend making a relatively healthy amount of money. Uh, the problem right now is even when you have a mo big movie like Spider-Man or something making the money, everything else suffers. You know, when your number five movie at the box office makes less than $2 million, that's a problem. So that's kind of one of my big takeaways this weekend. But this is what you might call like a regular January weekend. January tends to be pretty bad. Since Morbius moved, there wasn't much out. But uh, Spider-Man is now at $1.73 billion worldwide. Uh, just astonishing. <laughs> Is there a record for how many weekends a film has been the top movie at the box office? I'm sure there a is. Avatar. I well, no, I, no, I don't think it's Av Avatar is in like the 2000s. Uh, I think it's E.T. holds it overall, if I'm not mistaken. E.T. was like 40 weekends or some crazy. 40, not 40 weekends? Week no, not wow. 40. It, but it, no, it was like some, it was some insane like just just <laughs> but you have to understand back when et was out there wasn't as many movies coming out movies were in yeah. theaters longer like but in terms of like the modern context avatar i think was six 
It was more than 10. Like, or it was, it was obscene. But that was how Avatar made its money. Like, it didn't debut with some crazy record-breaking number. It just kept going and going and going. Um, very similar to what Spider-Man's doing right now, actually. Yeah, so has Spider-Man overtaken Avatar yet? No, it's about $24 million away, so, I mean, it'll probably do it. But like we talked about last week is that Disney is almost definitely going to do a re-release for Avatar before Avatar 2 comes out. And I kind of expect that'll do well. So, like, even if Spider-Man overtakes it for a minute, um, I think Avatar will still end up in that number three spot, you know, when it when it's when it's done. But, but I mean, it's a remarkable accomplishment. And my big takeaway today was that we're Spider-Man now, like, divorced from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is the superhero on a global scale, and it is now one of like those franchises, right along with like Star Wars or whatever you want to put there. You know, Spider-Man has clearly cemented itself as like a generational big deal franchise. And, and there are very few properties in the world that could compete <laughs> with it. Um, you know, again, even divorced from the rest of Marvel, it's clear that Spider-Man as his own entity is is a hell of a thing. So that's kind of my big takeaway this week is that, it, you know, we're, we're just Spider-Man has proven his place in the hierarchy of pop culture. By the way, it's so funny if if Marvel Studios and Sony didn't work out a deal for uh, the Spider-Man movies, I feel like right now Sony might be like almost willing to sell Spider-Man back to Marvel. So the success of this character is almost its worst enemy for Marvel. I don't <laughs> no? know. It's hard to well, like I don't know. I mean, because then you got to look at like. What would have happened with Civil War? What would have happened without Spider-Man in, in Infinity War and Endgame? What would have happened to Phase 3 of the MCU without, you know... So you don't, you the, don't think Marvel would be as big as it is without Spider-Man? No, of course Marvel would be fine, but I think Spider-Man has greatly influenced the last, like, phase and a half of... Oh, yeah, what yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you're talking, like, you know, big alternate reality. And, I mean, we all saw some of those Sony email leaks. I mean, were we really going to get that... <laughs> Aunt May solo movie were we really going to get I mean the Sinister Six movie still intrigues me but not so much the version that has to be married to like Dane DeHaan's Goblin you know like I, I don't know there's there's it, it's hard to say it, it really is hard to say yeah. would Venom have even really come about the way that it came about I, it's there boy that is a fascinating bit of like what if but yeah and also you know like, like you mentioned Venom was a success on its own from from Spider-Man and everything going on there. So I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have been the gigantic disaster that I imagine it could have been, but I don't uh, look, think it would have been the success that it I, well, has I don't been know. No Way Home. I think they were a little, as much as I think they, they didn't want, Sony wouldn't like to admit it. I think they were a little directionless after what happened with the amazing Spider-Man two, you know, where like, and I've talked about this, the amazing Spider-Man two, like, if you look at the raw number, it's good, but I think that there was a clear path of, like, this is not heading in the right direction, but then how do you course correct? Do you want to reboot again? I just think they were in a weird spot, and, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Kevin Feige threw him a lifeline, and there you go. Okay, uh, back to the box office. What was number two this weekend? Uh, Scream again, which did admirable business. Uh, nearly $8 million. Uh, it is now over $100 million worldwide. It has outgrossed Scream 4. Uh, it's made like a little more than four times its reported budget. 
if if it isn't announced by the end of this sentence, expect to hear news about Scream Six sooner rather than later. Okay, Ryan. So you know, a Scream sequel is going to be happening. What do they call it? What is the title of, of the Scream sequel? Uh, when I walked, you can't call it Scream Two, right? Because there's already been a Scream. Well, they didn't care about that with Scream that's One. That's kind of the meta. I, that would be the meta way to do it. Um, but then I think you know like, what? C- call it the Scream sequel. Sure, or whatever. <laughs> have, have you seen the new Scream, Peter? Yes, I have. Okay, so I my it. my pitch was: you don't make Scream Six; you make Stab Eight. You you go like way meta. And you make like the actual stab, but you don't make all the others. You make the stab eight movie that they talked about in Scream Five, where like Ryan Johnson ruined the the stab franchise, and you have like Ghostface with a flamethrower, and like that. And then you can just play it completely dead ahead because the whole meta commentary is that you're making the stab movie and not a scream movie, but. Uh, that's... I'm not sure if anybody would want to see that other than you, Ryan. But I, I would, I, you know, if that happened, I would be there. I, I well, just because, want to see what that is. But, but because I think my only thing with the Scream, <laughs> the new one, as much as I liked it, the whole like meta layer sandwich we found ourselves in with this franchise, like it's getting almost exhausting, and I don't know how you sort of do that again. So like I yeah. feel like I feel like th- that would be the way to sort of circumvent that. I agree, not a big market for it. You got to make it real cheap, but it'd be fun to see. Yeah. Um, okay. So what else has been doing at the box office? It seems like a lot of award favorites. Not so much that they're doing. There, there's just a couple of hangers around. Like, you know, Drive My Car expanded, but I mean, it's making pennies. You know, in the pot. Uh, really, the one like Nightmare Alley tried this weekend by releasing a black and white version but it's still made like less than a million, um, you know, and it's about to be on HBO Max and Hulu, I think. So that's pretty much done. The only thing is House of Gucci finally managed to get over 150 worldwide, which is about double its $75 million budget. So not exactly a success, but that kind of saves it from being a flop. Uh, though I still think that was like a pre-pandemic era movie that could have done a lot better. So, you know, it, it's, it's certainly a lot better than The Last Duel, but like, you know could have yeah. could have been uh, well next week we have two big movies and this is going to be the first time in a while that we have two big movies at the box office like kind of head to head i'm not sure if you consider these two big movies i consider them two big movies jack oh, i think no i think it's Moonfall. very fair to consider them both big movies yeah. absolutely like for for various reasons yeah so what do you what, do you, what are the expect expectations for these films or what are your expectations for these films well, we have Jackass Forever, which is the fourth Jackass film, and then we have uh, Moonfall. Uh, Jackass Forever is big in the sense that it's like the fourth entry in a, a, a wildly successful franchise. Let us not undercut the idea that the Jackass movies have been tremendously successful and weirdly <clears throat> critical, critically praised to some degree. And, uh, you know, they're made for small budgets and do very good money. And then you have Moonfall, which is, in every classic sense of the word, a gigantic movie in that it is a huge, <laughs> huge, huge blockbuster with a ridiculous plot from a guy who's made a bunch of disaster movies in Roland Emmerich. So uh, what's interesting right now is Jackass Forever is actually tracking at about double what Moonfall is, whereas Jackass Forever has a reported wow. budget of around $10 million. Moonfall has about a $140 million budget. So kind of interesting. Well, Jackass Forever is kind of being marketed as kind of like that um 
I don't know, generational movie in, in, in as much as like we grew up watching the yes. Jackass guys when we were younger. And now we're adults watching the adults get back together yes. one last time to to do this thing. So I, I, it, it does feel like there's something, I don't know, it's hard to compare it, but like there's like something like a, a Toy Story 3-ish. Do you yes, know what I mean? like there's, yes, no, yeah. uh, but, but it's so smart. Even that first trailer, they kind of leaned into the idea of like getting back together with your friends and all that. And I got like a little like emotional watching that. Yeah, like, yeah. I think they're, I think like weirdly, they have marketed this movie brilliantly. And I think it's going to do better than I think people expect. Like this, this to me has that, that, that potential. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it has that potential to sort of surprise people with the amount of money that it makes. I think like it could, it could do very well. And it's also been like over 10 years since the last Jackass yeah, movie. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> I remember. That's insane because I, I remember being at Sun at uh, Comic-Con and they were showing, they had like this uh, in a parking uh, lot they had like, these like booths set up that you'd go into the booth and put on 3d glasses and there was like a moving chair or something and uh maybe it was like a 4d experience of watching this jackass it was 3d right was the last one i think yeah jackass 3d well if you don't count bad grandpa yeah 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 so um yeah usually when you, you you have that much time in between movies usually you don't see an increase but it's gonna it's gonna be interesting Okay, well, um, but I think, but I think that narrative has changed a bit with like the legacy sequel thing. Like you see, like we just talked about, Scream outgrossing yeah. Scream Four, Halloween twenty eighteen. You know, I know these are horror movies and stuff, but that whole idea of like, and even Spider Man No Way Home to some degree, with like the different generations of Spider Men, um, Jackass kind of weirdly has that same potential. I just realized that this is the fourth Jackass movie, and it's called Jackass Forever. That's great. Well, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just didn't never occurred to me until now that uh, there was like a kind of a pun on that. A little bit. Um, it does. Uh, it's interesting. You mentioned like the legacy equal or whatever you want to call those movies. This doesn't seem like it's it though, because it doesn't seem like they're introducing a new generation of jackass characters. They are. They have a whole ton of new cast members in this. Oh, do they? Like it's, yeah, it's okay. the old guard passing the torch. Look, jackass is one of my weird like pop culture obsessions. Like I love it dearly, and I uh, like I'm actually writing a thing this week kind of about that for us. But but yeah, no, I, I uh, yeah. So they have like the 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 old guys are back, of course, but then they have like a bunch of new people that are kind of taking the torch. Okay, I, I totally don't know anything about this. I'm excited to see it, uh, hopefully this Friday. Um, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about this survey. We've been doing these surveys on Slash Home where we, I'm not even sure how they're done. Do you know how these surveys are conducted? I think they're like over like online in some fashion, but we hire like a survey company to do them. Uh, I think we have like a couple of interns stand at a mall with a clipboard and... Uh, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> did you ever participate in those when you were younger at the mall? Yeah, yeah. I weirdly did one where me and a couple of friends were just bumming around the mall when we were like 14 or 15. And we got pulled in to watch like a movie trailer and we got like two or three bucks for doing it. And uh, and it was for Meet the Fockers, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, so. I always like, I would always, when they would come up to me, I would always do it because I would like, oh, free money? Yes. You know, it's worth my time. But also I heard a story from one of my friends before uh, Spider-Man came out, before there was any released like trailer for Spider-Man, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, that he got picked at the ball. He went in and he saw that whole trailer where he's like swinging through the like, um, it ends with the Twin Towers. 
Oh, the one uh, that mo- like ended up getting pulled after 9/11. Yeah, 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 that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he saw it before it was released, so I was always like hoping that I would get some unreleased like gold, but it was always like something that's already playing in theaters and they just wanted opinions on it. So I uh, got you. Yeah, that was that was my one and only experience with it, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyways, we've, we've been doing these surveys. Uh, this one I, it was interesting to me because basically we, we surveyed people asking what their most anticipated superhero movie of 2022 is. And I think like over 500 people participated in this. And this isn't like one of those random like we put on Twitter or something like this is like. No, a, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so you wrote this up for the site. This is surprising to me what won this over the the second result here. So uh, uh yeah, I mean, it is it is at face value, but then it isn't, right? So uh, according to our survey, which is, you know, not exactly like the most scientific thing in the world, but uh, it, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness came out on top with a little more than 20% of the vote, uh, with uh, the Batman coming in at number two with uh, just shy of 18%. Uh, for what it is worth, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 came in at number three, uh, then Thor Love and Thunder, then Black Panther Wakanda Forever, then we're kind of... Then, then the last three were a lot less of the vote with Aquaman two, The Flash, and Black Adam. Um, but um, yeah, Poor Black so Adam. Uh, no, I think I think Black Adam. I think the thing is, just people <laughs> don't know what it is yet, and I think yeah, once they see yeah. the, tra- I think that movie has the chance to sort of like much in the way that Aquaman overperformed when it came out. I think Black Adam could. That's another discussion, but but yeah, so so Doctor Strange, you know, relatively handily walked away with this one for us so uh yeah big deal um but yeah, o- o- over o- over the batman over spider-man across the spider-verse part one and over thor love and thunder i don't know like that that is shocking to me see that you is were really more shocking. shocked by this than i was you you, you were you, you so so okay before i explain my logic and yeah. reason explain to me why your heart says you were surprised well, you know, we, we exist in this like Twitter bubble that they call film Twitter. And it seems like all the buzz on film Twitter is about the Batman, the Matt Reeves movie. And also like, I don't know, it, it seems like a lot of us also were huge fans of uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which I know we really haven't seen much from that. So uh, across the Spider-Verse, the, the sequel. But I was expecting those two to be one and two maybe even Thor 11 Thunder to be three. But again, we haven't seen anything. I'm guessing that's probably going to yeah. be your your reasoning, right? Uh, That's a small part of it. I think across the Spider-Verse, like definitely, I think that's another one that's going to overperform. Like, like you're going to get like a John Wick to John Wick 2 type of like doubling up of like your, your audience for that one, I think. But you have to recall that like as much as Into the Spider-Verse did well, you're still talking like a $300 million movie. You know, whereas like even the first live action Doctor Strange was close to 700 million and that's quote unquote not great for a Marvel movie. So you're still looking (laughs) at like, you know, so you're still looking at like your global audience here. And then let's look at what's happened in the five years since the first Doctor Strange movie came out. Benedict Cumberbatch's Stephen Strange has appeared in four of the highest grossing movies of all time. He was in Thor Ragnarok. He was in Avengers Infinity War. He was in Avengers Endgame and he was a huge part of uh, 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 Spider-Man No Way Home. So you have to sort of look at like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is getting a gigantic bump from being associated with No Way Home. 
Yeah. You know, plus, yeah, not only that, everybody that went to see that movie saw the trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse right. of Madness. So, yeah. But he's also become a wildly so so at the time of the first movie's release, he was not a super well-known character. But, you know, he was really liked in the circles of Marvel people and that movie did quite well and people have become really familiar with the character over the last handful of years. It is not remotely surprising to me. And especially with that title, like the promise of what that title means, you know, <laughs> viewers have become smart. So, you know, they're aware of what that. T- so to me, that the the power of the MCU brand, a very long overdue sequel, sort of becoming a, a, a 2.5 to what is now one of the biggest movies of all time. Not remotely surprising to me. Uh, Batman, we've not had a solo movie in over a decade. It is yet another reboot of the character. People are, I get the sense, getting a little tired of that sort of thing. Uh, you have a certain percentage of people that are still really more into Ben Affleck's version of the character. So there's like a little bit of, I think, I think there's a lot of excitement, but I also think there's like just, I just don't think that Batman at this point can compete with the, the monster that is Marvel. So. Yeah, yeah. So I do got to ask you, I know it's early. People haven't seen stuff for this. There's not time time for people to be hyped for a bunch of these movies yet. Out of these movies, what do you think, if you had to rank the box office potential of these movies right now, what would you say is number one and number two and number three? Uh, at the end, at you know, at the end of the year or a year from now. Give me two seconds looking at this. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, Doctor <laughs> Strange comes out on top. Uh, that's a billion dollar movie, I think. You still now, think again, over the Batman? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. The other problem is the Batman is three hours. You know, like yeah, that. Now yeah. we've seen movies succeed at the three hour mark, but it is, it, but it does add something to it. And uh, no, I, I, I mean, I think both those movies are going to make a shitload of money, but yeah, you know, the the Marvel monster being what it is. Uh, so yeah, so those would be my one and two. The number three is where things get tricky because I feel like Thor, Love, and Thunder could have a huge bump given where Rag- what Ragnarok did. But you also have to look at, like, you know, Black Panther being a $1.3 billion movie and you're getting a sequel to that $1.3 billion movie, but without the lead character returning. So I'm a little But it could unsure. be like one of those things where, like, it's a Fast and the Furious scenario where it's like a kind of a goodbye to that actor and character yes. and it, it does like a huge box you know yeah know so i'm, deba- I'm debating if it if it does like you know a little less or if it does like a furious seven and goes gangbusters uh yeah. gun to my head i say black panther <laughs> wakanda forever do- goes number three but thor love and thunder could easily take it and let's not write out aquaman and the last kingdom either because again aquaman highest grossing dc movie of all time weirdly enough so you know who knows yeah but, and that leads us into our next story. Speaking of Aquaman, Jason Momoa is joining the family. He has been cast in Fast and the Furious 10. <laughs> um, we don't have any additional details on this. Uh, our writer, Jeremy, says that it should be called Fast 10, Your Seatbelts. I've seen that joke quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> I had, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure if I love it or I hate it. It's it's on the edge, uh, but my first thought is here that Jason is coming. Well, I had two thoughts. I was like, oh, Jason Momoa seems like the like an obvious like Fast and the Furious like bad guy. Like it seems like a John Cena. Do you know what I mean? Like it seems like one of those like uh, 
it seems like he would fit the mold of that. Like the um, it was the most State- obvious Statham. thing in the world when this news came out the other day. I was like, oh, of course. Uh, like I, for me, like it was welcome news. But it was when you find out that the Rock is not going to come back. <laughs> And Jason Momoa is available, and you don't have to pay The Rock, and you can pay him. Of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's my second thought. Is like, is are they basically taking the script that had The Rock in it, and like you know, Vin Diesel was going pub- publicly out there and being like, uh, "We made a, a plea to The Rock. I called him. I had you know my son. I said he's part of the family." And then like The Rock comes out and he's like. I don't like what he did by going public, and you know that's kind of yeah. a dick move. Uh, and it was is. Th- yeah, it was. Uh, but you know what? If, if you're in that scenario, uh, I'm not sure if I wouldn't do that. I don't want to get into this, but I, uh, but I do yeah. sort of feel I, like, I, it, well, if we get into the beef of it, it sort of seems like Vin Diesel was the guy to blame in the first place. So, like, whatever. But Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, in the first place, I wouldn't be Vin Diesel. But if I was right. Vin Diesel, <laughs> I, I, I totally see this um, being yeah. the ploy. Um, sure. But do you think that this character is literally going to be the rock replacement in that, like, you just cross out um, whatever the rock's no, name is? No, I don't, think that's the, I don't think that's what it's going to be. Because I think, because, like, the rock Hobbs at this point had become a full-on, like, ally. So I feel like there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not Momoa is going to be, like, a villain and ally or, like, kind of a combination of both. So unless they were going to somehow put Hobbs at, odds with the rest of the gang again which was kind of like but i don't know that that's how you wrap up the franchise right like yeah. that wouldn't really make a lot of sense so like um uh, i saw some people on twitter saying that like jason momoa is just going to show up and they're just going to call him hobbs and it's just going to be they're just going to yeah. treat it like you know uh like uh on roseanne when like a character just got recast and it was just like what they just moved on. It's or, you know, different. Don Cheadle takes over for uh, Terrence Howard. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, cool. Hey, what's up, Rhodey? You know, you're just like, nothing, nothing weird here. Uh, um, uh, yeah, but it's it, it, he seems like an obvious fit. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, Jason Momoa in that world. Look, yeah. you are you at this point, you are either on board for what these movies are selling or you are not. If you are on board for what these are these movies are selling, you are very happy to see Jason Momoa in it. If you are not on board for what these movies are selling, you're probably bummed Jason Momoa is wasting his time doing this. That's it, there's that's probably it. Okay, lastly, we have a story about Jurassic World and the future of the Jurassic Park franchise. And this comes from an interview from some guy named Ryan, who interviewed uh, some mega producer named Frank Marshall. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to hand it over to you because uh, I know you didn't write the story for us, but uh, you, you are the instigator. Uh, so, so what do we know about the future of Jurassic World? Uh, first off, yes, I did indeed get the chance to speak with one Franklin Marshall and uh, uh, literally cannot write the story of Hollywood without that guy. And uh, it was, a, I mean, man, oh, man, what a he was just like a, a genuine treat to speak with. So uh, I did get to sneak in. A uh, little bit of Jurassic talk with him. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he had at one point said, because everyone sort of assumed that Jurassic World Dominion was going to be the last film in the franchise. And he had he had uh, previously labeled it as the end of an era. So I asked him, I was like, hey, can you, you know, shed a little more light on that? And he goes, uh, his exact quote is, 
I think that Dominion's going to wrap up this trilogy, but we're not resting on our laurels. We're going to sit down and we're going to see what the future is. We have that wonderful series, Camp Cretaceous, on Netflix. We obviously want to make quality, good movies with great storytelling, great writers, and directors, but we're definitely looking to do more in the Jurassic world. So, he didn't really mince words. He's pretty clear that, like, we are going to continue this franchise. That it keeps making lots of money, and of course that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, so, so, you know, Dominion will wrap up this storyline, but it seems pretty cut and dry that Universal and the producers are ready to, ready to keep going. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised that Universal has not pitched and and tried to get him interested in doing like a Peacock original TV series, like that's set in between, you know, Jurassic World, uh, Fallen Kingdom and Dominion because... it seems like you saw the other story, but I did. There has been yeah. rumors of a, there has been rumors of a Jurassic World TV series for a while, and I actually had a cockamamie theory that they were they were setting that up with like the Battle at Big Rock short, and then the Dominion prologue. Like I almost thought that they were like, kind of testing the waters to see if they could do it. Uh, but when I asked him about it, and look, to be clear, Frank Marshall's Frank Marshall's one of the key producers of this franchise. He would probably know. So, like, again, when I asked him, he was I, I very... Would take, I would take the word probably out of there. He, he would know. Right. So, like, no, but I'm just saying to even... Because, like, let's just... But, like, so I'm just trying to cover my bases. But, like, point being, and he did not mince words with me, and I appreciate it. He was like, when I asked him about the TV show thing, he goes, no. Just flat out. He's like, no, I'm really just staying focused on the movies. We haven't really thought about that. There's no discussion of that. Uh, and then he, you know, once again mentioned, uh, Camp Cretaceous, Camp Cretaceous and said, that's plenty for now. So then when he said that, it got me to thinking that part of my criticism of some of these streaming TV shows is that it diminishes the brand theatrically. And when you look at what Jurassic is able to do theatrically, if you suddenly make dinosaurs on your TV, a thing that might diminish the box office. So it actually made a lot of sense when he said that to me. And, uh, yeah, so I, so expect more movies. Do not expect, do not expect a live action TV show. Yeah. One, one thing I love about, uh, talking with Frank is he's, he's old school and I don't mean that to call him old, but like, uh, he's, you know, he's produced a lot of the films that like, you know, we grew up on and he, there, he doesn't feel the need. I feel like when you talk to some producers nowadays, they, they play the game. And they're like, you never know or whatever, but like, he'll just tell you how it is. And I I, I love that about him. It was very, because again, I'd never had a chance to speak to him before. And and I love, Mm. especially being like a business minded guy, like speaking to someone like that. Um, But man, oh man, like, yeah, he, he really, because like, I wasn't expecting a straight answer. Like when I, you know, when you ask someone this stuff, you're not a, you're and he, man, he just like two in a row, he gave me like very just clear cut dry, like, no, 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 no. Yes, we're doing more movies. No, we are not doing TV. Thank you. Next question. <laughs> like he was very. So yeah, I, I wonder I, you what know. the more movies are gonna be. Like how? Well, I mean, we don't know how this ends. We don't know. I really don't know. That's, well, a lot of people are saying bad. Bad. I don't know. I feel like the Jurassic World franchise gets a bad rap, especially from film critics. But the one thing you can't say is like you know how this french like this no this trilogy is gonna end no and and i I gotta tell you i loved the first jurassic world like a lot like a lot a lot uh fallen kingdom on the other hand you know the less said the better but like 
this is again you're talking like you know force Awakens style stuff here where we're getting the old gang back together for this one you got dinosaurs out in the real world like like there was some footage when they released the prologue with screenings of f9 last year there was some footage that made it to IMAX screenings of that that didn't get released online. And some of those little bits of footage were wild. Like, I am really excited about what, like, Dominion might be. Because, like, the, the, some of the footage that I saw was, like, dinosaurs out in the <laughs> wild. And, and some of what they're doing with, like, the dinosaurs out in the wild stuff is nuts. You know, it looks pretty cool. And so I don't know, but, uh, but I think there's all kinds of, I mean, I've had a, you know, I don't have any interest in making movies. The one and only movie I've ever had, like sitting on my desk is like a Jurassic park pitch. So, Hey, you know, you know, if universal wants an I idea, d- I've got one. <laughs> I just feel like there's no way to put the magic back in the box after it's been unloaded upon this world, uh, metaphorically here. Um, I don't see that dinosaurs are going to be, and especially at their pitch of like, they're taking a very uh you know pro animal stance on this like it doesn't seem like we're gonna like corral all these dinosaurs into a zoo or into a i don't know like i don't know how you end this trilogy so i don't know how you end the trilogy but i think as far as further movies go like there's a lot of the timeline that maybe hasn't been explored um I don't want to give too much away here because I actually do have a pitch for this if I ever come across somebody. But, 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 uh, but, uh, if, uh, if yeah. only you had a conversation with a guy named If only Frank I had Marshall a conversation. Well, no, I'm not trying. No, but I really, I've actually know, had I'm like, dumb. I've had people encourage me to not talk about it publicly because I've had, I've had some people say, hey, that's actually a good idea. Maybe don't spill those beans. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, but no, I, I will say as a fan of the franchise, I think there's corners of it that are, that are very explorable if you move away from, you know, sort of whatever this trilogy is, but yes. Okay. You can read Ryan's whole interview. I'll link it in the show notes. You can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at slashfilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast and Apple podcast. Tell your friends, spread the word and we'll see you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.